Oregon football did not hit its ceiling in 2021 when you're looking at the talent on the roster and the results we saw on the field. So what are the biggest areas for growth? And it is game week. And there's a note for Oregon fans that I talked about a long time ago on the show, but apparently it has to be mentioned again. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster and lifelong Oregon Ducks fan. Thanks for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks, which is why, if you have not already, you should like, comment, and subscribe wherever you're listening to or watching this show. I appreciate everybody out there who's done so already. Numbers looking really good in the buildup for the season. And oh my goodness, it is game week. It is game week. There's an Oregon football game on Saturday. That's a great thing to be able to say. That's a grand and glorious sentence. I feel like Loki in the Avengers. I am burdened with glorious purpose to remind you that there's an Oregon football game on Saturday. Gosh, I can't wait. I really can not wait. It is a very exciting time. But where can Oregon get better compared to 2021? There are a number of areas. And yes, the most obvious one that I've talked about here on the show is a combination of the quarterbacks and the receivers being more in sync, utilizing the receivers more, and creating more explosive plays. I think that's the one that everyone's going to look at first and say, yeah, well, that's where Oregon can get better, and we're hoping Bo Nix can actually utilize the talents of guys like Dante Thornton, Troy Franklin, Terrence Ferguson, the tight end. I'm a huge fan of him. Seven McGee, Chris Hudson, who's really being undersold. Might have to talk about him more later this week because Chris Hudson became basically our number one wide receiver for the last couple games of the 2021 season and was Anthony Brown's go-to guy as often or infrequently rather as he actually used wide receivers but Hudson was the go-to there uh, it might be worth exploring this week because I, I like Chris Hudson a lot the guy's an absolute gamer so explosive plays aside there are two other areas where Oregon has just simply got to be better the first one comes to the responsibility of a guy by the name of Joe Lorig. And Joe Lorig is not the flashiest hire, but he could be one of the more important hires that Dan Lanning made on this staff ahead of this upcoming 2022 season, which, need I remind you, starts in five days. Mm, gosh, that's good. As I record this, it's six. But, you know, it's kind of late at night, so basically five. Joe Lorig is our special teams coach. And he has the responsibility of making Oregon special teams better. And it's an area that fans, I think casual fans, don't pay attention to very much. But when you dive into the numbers, defenses are often made by how well they can play off of their special teams, both the kickoffs and the punt coverage. Over the last several years, the kickoff and punt coverage, especially in 2021, when you go back and watch, was pretty darn bad on both sides, right? Oregon wasn't very good in the return game, and Oregon wasn't very good in the coverage game on neither kicks or punts. That's an entire, if you have a good return, that could be one to two or even three first downs worth of yardage that you can save your team on either side of the ball. Think about how big that is over the course of a game. 
The difference between starting a drive at your own 38 versus starting a drive at your own 22 doesn't go noticed in a major way over the course of a college football game, but it can have a huge impact on how successful your offense is going to be or how successful your defense is going to be. If the kickoff coverage or the punt coverage is constantly allowing big returns, as Oregon has had a tendency to unfortunately do over the last several years, you're putting your defense in a bad situation where they have to defend a shorter field, and that's a lot harder. And conversely, if you can't get a kick return that goes beyond the 25 every now and then, you're making life harder on average for your offense because you have to go further down the field. I know this sounds very simple, but I'm guessing that a lot of your water cooler conversations out there as fans or uh, with your family members or whatnot don't involve the special teams very often. And I've watched this stuff extensively. Oregon was really not good last year on special teams. And I expect there to be a pretty heavy emphasis on on how the special teams play out, right? It's uh, going back to, I can't remember if it was spring practice or early fall camp. That's been, I think it was spring practice. That was more of an emphasis. Guys who cover the team and were at practices were talking about how that was more of an emphasis with this staff than it was in the previous administration, who I will be talking about later in the show. And that's an encouraging thing to me because if it wasn't worked on as much as it could have been under Cristobal and company, that showed on game day to me. That's that's the way it came off is that was something that I watched and went, man, we're consistently not good enough at this. And it's putting us at a little disadvantage. Is it catastrophic? No, of course not. Oregon won 10 games. They went 10 and two. I'd take 10 and two this year. That's what I think they'll do. I kind of think nine and three is in the cards, but I really need to see how they perform against Georgia and BYU before I potentially alter one of my game predictions. But right now, yeah, I think they probably go 10 and two, but I won't be surprised at nine and three. I wouldn't even be that shocked at eight and four, depending on how uh, certain things fall for the Ducks this year. But what I see is special teams being one of those things where it's not going to create a cataclysmic difference, right? You're not going to beat Utah because your special teams are better, but you might be more competitive. You might be able to stay in the game a little bit longer. You might be able to win a game more comfortably than, than we did in 2021 if your special teams are able to be better. So I think that's an area where, uh, where you can be. And as a defensive head coach and Dan Lanning or having one, I guess I should say, we should expect that that's going to be a little bit more of an emphasis because like I was talking about earlier, defense and the punting play off of one another, right? A defense gets fired up. I mean, when a, when the guys come on the field after the other team has a 30-yard return, it's a completely different mindset, right? They're still going out there wanting to be physical and hit guys and that sort of stuff. But you have an extra level of juice if you see your punter down a team inside the 5 or put it inside the 10 and you come out there and go, hey, we make a play here. We could put the ball in the end zone or let our offense have a, a really short field to put the ball in the end zone and score a touchdown. I think it changes that mindset dramatically versus you allow a big punt return that gets out to the 45 and the defense is like, great, now we got to try and pick up the slack. And I'm not saying that's not a certain form of motivation, but it's a different level of energy and it feeds on a sideline, right? When you can make an impact play on special teams. And so that's an area where Joe Lorgan company, I hope they can be better. The kicking game was fine, right? Which is not something we've always been able to say. 
Thankfully, gone are the days of Alejandro Maldonado. That was not a time that uh, we want to talk about. I've talked about it too much already on this show right now, frankly, just by saying the name. But uh, Camden Lewis has taken just huge, huge strides forward. When he wasn't kicking against anyone except Utah, he was really pretty good last year. He hit a 49-yarder, a couple more over 40 yards. Like I don't need him to be able to hit 55-60, be NFL caliber. I need him to be almost automatic from 35 and in, and I need him to be pretty reliable in the 40 to 45 range. That's, that's all we're looking for. And if he takes another step forward, then then that'd be a really, really good thing for the Oregon Special Teams unit. But if he just performs the way he did in 2021, then we're good. Like, we're we're totally good. Not something I thought I would say a couple of years ago when Camden Lewis first got to campus, but uh, props to him. He's put in the work. He's gotten a lot better. There's one area of the Oregon defense that needs to get better. Dan Lanning, Tosh Lupoy might have their work cut out for him right there. I'll tell you about that after I remind you all that it's never okay to drive stoned. If you feel different, you drive different, drive high, you get a DUI. It's never okay to drive stoned. You put yourself and others in danger. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI. Do you think it's okay to drive stone? The truth is your reaction time slow way down when you're high. You only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you, not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Stop kidding yourself. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. This message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic and Safety Administration. Okay. Defensively, Oregon can get better from last year. I think we all agree on that front. The biggest one, the biggest one of all the stats that I look at and say Oregon's defense has got to be better here. And Dan Lanning and Tosh Lupoy schematically have got to show their chops. And I have said it before, I'll say it again. I really hope Dan Lanning calls plays. Not every head coach who is a former coordinator calls plays. I really hope Lanning does. Because if in three to four years, Lanning is still around, but maybe Lupoy gets a head coach offer if the defense becomes dominant, I wouldn't want to have to reset with a play caller there. That's a long-term concern, but in the immediate, Lanning, part of the reason that he was brought over is because of the play calling, defensive mastery, and, and schematic dominance that he displayed at Georgia, in addition to the elite personnel that they had. I think you hire a guy like that to come over and call the plays on that side of the ball, which is what I'd like to see. And play calling is where Oregon was really bad. It doesn't get talked about, much like special teams, as much on the defensive side of the ball. That term play calling, right? You hear that, you think offense, right? And what play are you going to call here? What play are you going to call there? Well, remember, every time the offense calls a play, the defense is calling a play too, right? It just We talk about offense more than defense because offense is flashier, it's sexier, it's more attractive, it's stats, it's scoring, all that sort of stuff. Oregon's third down defense last year was one of the worst in the country. They allowed their opponents to convert at a 46% clip, approaching 50%. That's abysmal. It was not that far above Oregon State. Think about that. Oregon State, who fired their defensive coordinator last year, Tim Tibisar, and replaced him now with their, their linebackers coach, Trent Bray. They fired their defensive coordinator because the defense was so bad. And part of it was that they were really, really bad on third down. Oregon's third down percentage is in that same class. And think about the gap in personnel you have between Oregon and Oregon State on last year's teams. You got Kayvon Thibodeau, Verone McKinley, Mikhail Wright, 
You had Noah Sewell. And that was on the same level as what Oregon State was able to put up defensively. That's a stat that is mind-blowingly bad. And for me, when I think about it, I just go, we had better personnel, right? All the guys I just listed off. Not to mention players like Brandon Dorless. I mean, Braden Swinson's a, a little bit more comparable to maybe the guys that, that Oregon State had. But uh, DJ Johnson over there, Popo Almavai. You had Noah Sewell, Verone McKinley on the back end. DJ James was solid, all Pac-12 honorable mention. You had all those guys, and you were in that category. That's all scheme and play calling. That, that's really why I want Lanning, because I trust him the most with, with the defensive play calls. It's what he was known for, first and foremost, at Georgia. Recruiting was kind of second. I mean, he's very good at recruiting. Obviously, we've seen that so far. But that's what he was really, really good at, and what Georgia is probably going to miss the most is having Dan Lanning there to call plays. And I think that even though you have some personnel losses from a year ago, right, two of the guys I mentioned, Kayvon Thibodeau and Verone McKinley, you still have a bunch of talent over there, right? Noah Sewell, NFL talent. Justin Flo, NFL talent. Pray to God he's healthy. Christian Gonzalez might be a first or second round corner. So in the secondary, you lose McKinley, but you add Gonzo, who could arguably be an upgrade over any corner that Oregon had in 2021. Because I always really liked Mikhail Wright. I thought he had the physical traits to be a first or second round guy. He just took a step back in a major way in 2021 after being a big time, I, I think, kind of shutdown guy in 2020. But he, he just he regressed a little bit, went to the NFL. Of course, we know he didn't uh, get drafted. Losing those guys hurts, but you bring in Gonzalez. You got a couple NFL linebackers. You got a couple uh, of high-level defensive linemen, one of whom is an NFL guy and Brandon Dorless. Jeffrey Boss is out there as well. Players like Jamal Hill, Bennett Williams. I think that's more than enough talent to be way better than that number. Like, frankly, at the end of the season, if Oregon's third down percentage is uh, on the defensive side of the ball, if it's not under 40%, I'll be pretty disappointed. Because that's what we hired Landing for. That's what he's promising. That's what the hype around him is, is on that side. you got to be able to have that stat better. Even though they've lost a little bit on, on that side of the ball, there's still more than enough talent to be way, way better than that. It would be nice and I think helpful for Landing and company if they were able to you know, get some solidity. I don't know if that's a word, consistency. But figure out who the number two corner is going to be. It's going to be Gonzo on one side. Is it going to be Dante Manning? Is it going to be Avante Dickerson? Is it going to be a guy like Darren Barkins? Will Jaleel Florence take a big leap as a true freshman? How much will we see Jaleel Tucker? I don't know. Like the number two corner slot, probably one of the biggest question marks for for Oregon going into 2022. But even without Kayvon Thibodeau, which is the most important loss, right? I mean, McKinley made a number of plays. Think at Ohio State game and, you know, other ones as well where he made some just awesome plays, led the nation interceptions. Like he was fan freaking tastic we all know that but on third down you need a guy who can put his hand in the dirt and, and go get after the passer to wreak some havoc and that was Kayvon Thibodeau he's probably the best we've ever seen at Oregon probably since Haloti Nada at, at getting after the quarterback and wreaking havoc in the front seven so Lanning's going to have to show his schematic prowess there he, he's going to have to show that he's able to without Thibodeau there create some pressure but also get the defense off the field on third down because that's why they allowed so many yards I mean that was part of it right I think they played soft coverage too many times. If you're going to recruit, you know, highly rated guys who are really big time athletes, like at some point, put them up in the line of scrimmage, let them play uh, at press coverage and just go one on one. And if they get beat, like that's still like that, that happens. It does from time to time. 
but you got to give him the chance to do that and not give, you know, a, a total bend but don't break mentality because it allowed too many yards and it kept the defense on the field, wore him down, kept the offense off the field uh, as well. So I, I think that if, if the Ducks can do a better job getting off the field in third down, you just have a, a number of good things coming. But that could be a challenge and definitely something uh, that will be watching, not just uh, throughout the course of the season, but specifically in the Georgia game uh, this Saturday. Gosh, I love being able to say that's this Saturday. Oh, we have college football this week. Grand and glorious. Okay. Second topic today. I talked about this once at length months ago on the show. And a lot of you are new since then, so maybe you haven't heard that particular rant. Some of you might be hearing some of these takes for the second time. I thank you all for having been with me uh, for that long. But I've been seeing this pop up a lot on Ducks Twitter, and I've even had some friends of mine who are Duck fans talk to me about it. Just as a general note, stop worrying about Mario. Just stop. It doesn't matter anymore. He's at Miami. We have landing. Great. Why do we need to pay so much attention to him? Ask yourself that question. If you're someone who's been, you know, tweeting about, you know, Mario's this and Anthony Brown looks great in preseason and Anthony, like all, all that sort of stuff. Why? Why? Focus on what we have now. And don't be so hateful and resentful towards Mario Cristobal. Did he have limitations as coach? Yeah, I saw him. I was there the whole time, the entire time he was the coach. I watched every game. Didn't miss one. Haven't missed an Oregon football game in, I don't even know. I, 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 I don't even know how long. I don't think I can answer that question. I'd have to think about it a long, long time. But anyway, I've talked about the limitations that he showed, and I was talking all throughout today's show about how Oregon can get better. And I see that. But notice I didn't talk about it in the context of, and Mario Cristobal sucked, and he's the worst coach in the history of all time, and he's terrible, and he didn't do this, that, and the other thing. Like, it doesn't really matter. Like, if Mario wins at Miami, so what? So what? All that we care about is whether or not Oregon wins and whether or not we can win with Dan Lanning. And I just don't feel the level of resentment and disdain that so many Duck fans clearly have for him after leaving the program in a, sorry, leaving the program in a better place than where he found it. Was it a little shady? Like, you know, getting message at Miami and all this stuff? Yeah. There's never, find me a smooth coaching exit. Find me a smooth one where the fans were like, oh yeah, no, he went to a different, uh, a different school that wasn't, you know, necessarily a massive upgrade or maybe it kind of was or anything, but we were just totally happy and content with how our coach left. It doesn't exist. You're never going to be happy about it. But one thing to consider for all of you out there who are saying, you know, Mario was terrible and Cristobal didn't do this and Cristobal didn't do that. And, you know, it's just it's going to be better now. We have no idea. I have half an idea about what the staff will be, but we don't know for sure. So if you're someone who's out there saying, well, look at all the limitations that Cristobal had and the team didn't do this and the team didn't do that. They still went to one and a half Pac-12, one, one and a half Pac-12 championship games, went to two and a half. He still won a lot of football games. And if Dan Lanning doesn't win the way that you want him to, you're going to have to bite your tongue a little bit if earlier you were saying, well, Mario couldn't do this, Mario couldn't do that. And if Lanning doesn't perform the way that we're hoping, the way I think he is capable of, 
that's not going to be a great look. And you don't want to find yourself in that position. You know who else you don't want to be? Don't be the fans who are just constantly trying to bring down other teams. Focus on your team. Talk about what you have. Talk about what can be. That's what I focus on here on the show. I actively avoid this topic, but it is just running rampant through the Duck fandom community, and it's just got to stop. It just I, I, it just has got to stop. I'm never this blunt and direct or calling fans out like this, but seriously, if you're part of it, just, just stop. Just don't do it anymore. That's it. Just focus on Georgia. Focus on the roster. Focus on the transfer portal and recruiting. And, you know, once we have an actual game to watch, we're going to assess what these coaches can do. I'm not going to go and say, like, oh, they do this better than mine. And this all, like, I'm not going to do a direct side-by-side comparison. Will I mention what happened in it, w- with the previous administration? Sure. I've done that several times here on the show. Have I ever once sounded resentful or bitter about it? No. It's just a reality. Every coach is going to have a strength and a weakness, right? If you have a coach who comes from the defensive side of the ball like Dan Lanning, the question is always, do you have a good enough offensive coordinator to where if you build a good defense, you're going to have an offense that is on that same level that will allow you to win games? Justin Wilcox is a good defensive coordinator. He's a good defensive coach. He hasn't found the right offensive coordinator. How do we know that's not going to be the Achilles heel of Dan Lanning as Oregon's coach? We don't right now we're hopeful we're optimistic that's our job as fans is to look on the bright side whenever we can but every coach has shortcomings and limitations in some sense Mario Cristobal developed probably the best offensive lines Oregon has ever had the offensive lines probably are not going to be quite as good they could still be good but I'm not going to talk about everything as a direct comparison to how this coaching staff does it versus how this one does it, and Mario's terrible. And one thing that's been driving this is Anthony Brown is looking good in the Ravens' preseason games. Okay, here's what that confirms. For all of you who are watching a single Twitter highlight of him throwing to a wide-open receiver who beats a guy who's not going to make an NFL roster on a double move and hits him down the sideline and says, wow, I have so many questions, or wow, Anthony Brown did this, that, and the other thing and such. First of all, he's going up primarily against guys that it's a better pool of players probably than what he had on average in uh, Pac-12. I don't think probably. Like, it is. But is it actually NFL caliber? No. It's the preseason. So it's not like he's going up against the best defense in the NFL and just shredding them. He's going up against guys who are fringe NFL players, and he's made a couple of throws. And could have... Could some of it be the philosophy from Crystal Ball and, like, how he wanted to do... How he wanted to run the offense? Yeah. Sure. Again, I don't know how this pertains to what's happening on Saturday, which is a chance to win against a top five team in college football on the road. I don't know how it pertains to that, but that seems to be what's on the mind of Oregon fans. And I try to be in lockstep with what you Oregon fans are all wanting to talk about and are all wanting to hear about. And this has just been a recurring theme. I keep seeing it over and over and crystal ball this and crystal ball that. And I'm like, don't really care anymore. (laughs) Care about what we have now. And what can be built in the future? What can this coaching staff do with the incoming recruits? What can this coaching staff do with the players on the roster? Can these things be better? But focus on what we have and what is here. Don't become the fans that are wanting to just tear down the other teams. Don't don't do that. Don't it's not the sort of fans that we should want to be. It's not the sort of fan I want to be. 
if Mario Cristobal wins a national championship at Miami or if he never sniffs the college football playoff, I'm not going to have a strong reaction either way. I'm really not. Because he's not Oregon's coach anymore. And he did a lot of great things for the program and might have ultimately set us up better than we would have been if he'd stayed. It's entirely possible. I recognize that. But as a general note, just let it go. Don't tell people you're so excited about the prospects of a new relationship and you're totally over the girl that dumped you when you mention her all the time and you're constantly looking at her Instagram and tweets and everything to see if there's a cryptic message for a new boyfriend or something. Don't be that sort of person. Don't be that sort of fan. It's not what we should be going for. And there are a lot of things to be excited about. We do not need to tear someone else down in order to build up how we feel about our program. I appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day and go Ducks.